0: lenders become increasingly digital, they need to continuously manage the trade-off between making really smooth experiences for the customers with becoming targets for fraud. Plus, marketing funnels aren't entirely monolithic. Helping prospects move from kicking the tires to applying for a loan needs to be balanced with making sure lenders are attracting the right, profitable people. It doesn't help anyone if a marketing funnel becomes overly optimized for an unprofitable customer. There's a new class of technologies lenders use to more efficiently onboard new, profitable customers and make sure they are who they say they are. That's helping lenders like Regional Finance, a $1.5 billion consumer lender, stay focused on its business. On this episode of the Tearsheet Podcast, I'm joined by Chris Martin, Vice President, Head of Product Management at Regional Finance. Also joining us is Matt Gomes, GM of Consumer Lending and Banking at Argyle a leading provider of income and employment data that does deep work in financial services. And I'm Zach Miller, Tearsheet's Editor-in-Chief. Tearsheet has partnered with Argyle to create a four-part podcast series that explores how different parts of the financial industry are using modern technology and access to new forms of data to power their businesses today and into the future. Great, Matt. Can you introduce yourself and
1: and Argyle? Sure thing, Zach. Thanks so much for having me today. Uh, So Matt Gomes, I'm I'm the GM of our personal lending and banking lines of business here at Argyle. Um, I'll start with a quick background on Argyle before giving you a quick background on myself. So Argyle is the leading uh, consumer-permissioned income and employment data platform, um, which effectively means that we allow U.S. consumers to share their income and employment data with financial institutions throughout the credit spectrum and across a variety of use cases, kind of inverting the traditional way that, that you know folks would verify income and employment by buying and selling consumer data behind the scenes. Uh, I've been with the company for for a little over a year at this point, and I'm actually a former Argyle customer. Um, so I spent the the prior five and a half years of my career at Opportunity Financial, worked with Argyle to uh, launch a paycheck linked loan program while there. Uh, and before my time at OpFi, I spent a couple of years at Avant, so about Seven and a half, eight years of experience total in the US consumer lending space. Awesome. Welcome.
0: It's great to to be talking to you again. Um, We're also joined uh, for this episode by Chris Martin from Regional Finance. Chris, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself and and your firm.
2: Sure, Zach. Uh, Thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. I'm Chris Martin. I lead uh, the product management team and digital transformation efforts at Regional Finance. Uh, Regional is a $1.5 billion consumer finance company. Uh, we offer personal loans through branch and digital channels. Uh, we currently operate in about 20 states and are growing and expanding nationally. Um, I have a pretty long history in fintech actually before that name even became popular. Uh, I spent 15 plus years at Capital One. And my first role there actually was leading the account management on the um, initial foray into booking loans on the internet. Um, so it's it's been a long time. And then over the course of my career, I've, I've led digital transformation efforts, typically at the intersection of technology and uh, operations and risk functions. Um, uh, I spent about uh, two to three years in the startup world after leaving Capital One. Uh, also spent some time in consulting and more recently here with
0: Regional. Welcome. Looking forward to our conversation today. Chris, we'll start with you. Um, as more lenders and institutions make the pivot into this what we call digital first experience, something you talked about at, at Cap One, um, what are some of the unique challenges that you've seen at regional um, facing facing that?
2: It seems straightforward on the surface: uh, get leads, run your underwriting models, make loans. Um, but it definitely has challenges. Uh, one of the startups I actually I work with was challenged to get a mix of leads that had. Uh, positive marketing economics. We're actually spending more money on getting um, getting the business than we, than we're making on the back end. I think that's t- typical. At regional, um, we're really focused on the risk side, so uh, our our lead flow is good, but the economics in the actual um, customers coming in, we we still are working to tune our underwriting models and and really make sure that we've got the right customer that can be profitable in the back end. Um, so that's the the current focus for the team.
0: So getting ROI right on the leads. Um, Matt, what about you given your um exposure both um uh, in in the fintech world as well as now servicing them at Argo? Yeah, you know, I, I think starting on the fintech side, so both both uh, consumer
1: lenders that I, I worked for were were entirely digital, right? Avant and, and opfi built built the business entirely online. Um, and I, I think to start, would totally agree with what, what Chris was saying. One of the real challenges is is um, getting the credit model right and the credit performance right for folks that you don't interact with at all in person. Um, I, I think inherently, really, regardless of where you are in the credit spectrum, you're looking at a higher risk of fraud if you never kind of interact with a human being. Um, and, and there's a lot of different ways that that, that fraud can kind of manifest itself I think one of the more common ones is is what i'd call kind of like hard first party fraud so either you're submitting fraudulent ident- identification documents or fraudulent kind of bank statements income you know, proof of income something like that uh and, and those are really expensive loans to book so even if it's only you know one two percent of your issuance chances are they're not making any payments on those loans so it ends up having a really outsized impact on on your kind of overall loss rates and i just think fundamentally especially early on, like that that's a much harder challenge to solve for if you don't have any physical interaction with a consumer. Um, I think you know industries come a long way, right? I, probably first first on the scene or like the, the banking aggregators, like the plaids of the world, the Yodleys. I think that technology has been around for kind of 10 to 15 years. and I, I think it was kind of like the, the first tool in the tool belt as it were to to reduce that risk. Um, and obviously you've got, you know, folks like Argyle who, who are going to get that data directly from the source specific to income and employment. Uh, so again, another tool to belt to, to kind of fight that, that hard first party fraud on the flip side, I think there, there are some, some real, um, Advantages to being really digital first as, as an organization. This is something that I'm I'm sure Chris has seen. It's very expensive to operate branches, right? It's it's much less uh, capital intensive to just have a centralized call center and a couple of offices and and handle everything online versus you know having having hundreds or or thousands of leases depending on the size of the company, right? Uh, to to operate a national footprint, and I do think that. You know, early on, you have to invest a lot in the savings into getting the credit model right. And then from there, hopefully you can turn it into a competitive advantage. But um, de- definitely, a, a, I think, separate but adjacent set of challenges when you're underwriting it online versus in person.
0: I want to talk a little bit more about uh, identity verification. Chris, given your background in the personal lending space, can you talk a bit about how financial institutions have traditionally verified information about loan applicants?
2: Sure. Um, historically, it's uh, been really a highly manual and labor-intensive process. Um, typically, associates request information from from customers. Um, that's then sent, hopefully not by email, but you, you still see that. Um, and there's a, a bunch of back and forth as um, you know, the customer submits information. The associate gets that. It goes through the reviews, et cetera. Um, Typically, some mix of driver's license, um, pay stubs, maybe your passport, utility bills, et cetera, all that information is sort of pulled together and collected. Um, Again, as as Matt mentioned, there's a lot of opportunity for fraud in that space. and honestly, it wasn't that long ago, you might actually have to wait for a postcard in the mail uh, to to validate your address. So companies have, have tried a number of different things. I think with the technologies that we're seeing with Argyle and others like it, um, has the opportunity to to really streamline that process. Um, so th- there's a
0: lot of uh, developments in that area. And, and so given where regional operates in the, in the credit spectrum, how would you prioritize some of the, the biggest challenges that you have?
2: Sure. Uh, well, as I mentioned earlier, we're really heavily focused right now on risk management in, in order to scale our, uh, our digital originations. Um, we uh, we're having success in in, in some uh, credit segments and, and other credit segments. Uh, we're, we're still focused on how do you get the right mix of um, you know, underwriting tools, some of the verification tools, um, potentially some some uh, you know, onboarding experiences that may look a little bit different. Um, and it, it, it's interesting because uh, e- even with the same customer, if if we're booking them online, or if they're booking a, a, a maybe a remote branch assisted loan or, or in branch, you see pretty different performance for what you would think it, it is the same customer across those channels. Um, and the trick is to uh, to you know get that mix right without introducing so much friction that you you wind up actually introducing adverse selection and and you know some of your best customers are actually chased off by the, the you know the fact that the process itself is so complicated and then you're left with with the customers that you might might not want. Um, so we're we're experimenting with companies like Argyle in this space right now, um, seeing some successes. I, I, I think uh, still working to figure out the right mix.
0: And how about you, given your client base, are you seeing some of this adverse selection as well? Yeah, you know, I I think um, it's it's a
1: real concern, f- frankly, throughout the credit spectrum. Uh, you know, logically, I think a lot of folks assume, if you know, if you're operating in this kind of like prime, super prime space, risk of either adverse selection or, or fraud goes down because, you know, underwriting someone with an 800 FICO is less risky inherently than underwriting someone with like a 550 um and that's that's true on a per consumer basis but i think one of the challenges that um again kind of prime super prime lenders like lending clubs sofi credit unions the the challenges that they face is that the, the average loan size the average ticket size of what they're underwriting is much larger than say what what an op would underwrite or, or what i believe regional underwrites from uh, you know from looking at, at some of your earnings transcripts uh and so the 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 challenge have there is it only takes a couple of bad loans again to have a really material impact and uh, if you introduce too much friction then high performing 800 fico folks are just going to abandon your process and go to the next process and you know places like or you know online properties like like you know credit karma lending tree have made that easier and easier to do over time um so getting that mix right is is definitely a challenge and i would say it's it's kind of the the number one problem that a lot of our our clients are solving in the personal lending space. It's how do we introduce the right verification step to the right people at the right time and and do it in, in kind of as as um, frictionless a way as possible. So definitely
0: top of mind for for really our, our our whole client base. It sounds like getting that right is as much an art as it is a science. What are some of the other things that you guys are doing at Argyle, Matt, um, to helping solve for some of these challenges? Yeah, so
1: you know I think um, like all conversion funnels, you'd like to believe that they're they're really, really simple and and you know, if you put X number of people in, Y number of people can come out and, and be verified. And um, you know we're, we're kind of thinking about solving for this in, in a handful of ways. One of our our big bets over the last kind of 12 to 18 months has been on um, extensively mapping kind of companies to SSO providers. So one of the common questions we get is great, love that you cover you know, the majority of the US workforce, um, but how many people actually know their credentials, right? And uh, the answer used to be, well, a lot more than you think because 55% of people are actually shift-based and they're in there all the time. And you know, another 20% are working gig and, and we have great coverage there. Um, but now we have we kind of have another answer that we can add to that, which is, well, even if you don't know them and, you know, I'll put my hand up and say, I am someone who does not know my uh, credentials to log into payroll. I do have or know my Google credentials, which is the SSO provider we use to access everything every day. Uh, and so now we're able to say, hey, you know what, it's actually OK if someone doesn't know their credentials, uh, if they don't fit one of those two boxes I mentioned, um, because we've continued to invest in kind of that SSO mapping and, and coverage. We're able to, again, support more and more folks in actually completing the process versus just, say, necessarily finding uh, you know, their employer. The other thing that we focused really, really heavily on um, is just kind of data completeness and, and data accuracy. And this is something that we worked we worked a lot with regional's uh, credit and risk team on to get their feedback um, Again, it's it's great if someone connects to their payroll platform. It's not super helpful for clients like Regional if we don't return useful data to them. Uh, and so we've we've also focused really really heavily on data completeness. So uh, things like if um, hire date is not actually you know listed in the platform. Uh, but we can go back through all the pay stubs and figure out when they were hired, then we can, you know, calculate what the hire date was, things like that, so that we're always returning uh, the complete data set that's ultimately needed. And I do think that's um kind of a, a unique investment that we've made. I'd, I'd kind of you know compare and contrast against going back to banking aggregators that have been around a bit longer. I think you know, lenders need to do a lot more with that data to get to the same level of comfort with someone's income level. If you only get, say, 30 days of transaction history, that's not enough to say, hey, this person's consistently making what they claim to make. So you need a longer, uh, you know, longer history there. And and just frankly, a certain amount of cleanliness before you can run your own calculations. So yeah, I would really say we're we're kind of tackling that it, on both ends, we want as, as many folks as possible to be able to successfully connect to their account. And then after the connection's successful, we want to be able to guarantee that we're returning
0: high-quality data uh, on the end.
1: Re- really, made, those are two big bets.
0: Chris, I want to throw it back to you. Maybe zoom out a little bit. Where would you like to see the industry get to in the future to you know, balance this, A, protecting you know, FIs, while simultaneously ensuring that applicants are underwritten properly for the products that they need most.
2: Yeah, uh, so where I would like to see the industry headed and where it actually is headed, I think might might be two different things. Um, and so I, you know, where it is headed, let me maybe start there, and then where I'd like to like to see it head. But uh, where it is headed, I think companies like Argyle, Plaid others that um, take customer credentialed information and make it available to financial institutions to underwrite um, I, I see those companies sort of building out their product suite reducing friction, making it sort of easier and easier for customers to use my work sign in to have all of my data be available to my lender. Um, and so you know I, I think that trend will continue and and companies will continue to to, to bring those products together and make it, of a one-stop shop. Um, Where I would like to see it head would be um, more of a customer-focused and maybe from a standpoint of the the revenue and and business model, um, have it depend more on just getting it right for the customer. Uh, And so I I think right now, Argyle, Plaid, et cetera, et cetera, bureaus, really all the data aggregators, are focused on solving for their clients' needs, which is the lenders. Um, and you see customers to a certain extent suffering as a result of that, if you've ever tried to um, you know, work with a credit bureau to get information off your bureau, um, or if let's say Argyle has an incorrect payment calculation in their software that leads me to get declined when I know I've got enough money to, for the loan. Like it, it's gonna be really, really tricky for customers to be able to, um, kind of ha- have a uh, you know a, a means to address that or an escalation path out of that, and uh, it, it's going to be fairly, um, you know, just the the data is complex and it's going to be uh, opaque and um, and I think the customers potentially are going to be suffering as a result of that. And so, I where I'd really like to see it head, and I think it, it there's this potential, but get a company to to spearhead more of a customer. Advocacy position, and have uh, and have the customers have the choice. Like, would I rather go to a company that that maybe is is more opaque, or maybe I can go to a company that has my best interests at heart? And I want you to use my company to go gather all this information. So, that's where I'd like to head. I'd like to see somebody out there sort of take more of a position um, to stand for the customer and and get it right for the customer. Appreciate
0: that, Matt. What what do you think? Yeah, I um,
1: can say I, I largely agree with Chris. So I, um, you know, at the, at the very top mentioned that I, I used to be an Argyle uh, customer before joining. I, I'd like to. I've left the Fin side of fintech, and I work on the tech side of fintech. And um, you know, I think the, the the beauty of a platform like Argyle is that it it is customer permissioned, right? So it's it's not. Um, it's not data being bought and sold behind closed doors. People are aware of what's happening. They know which institution their data is being shared with. They can choose to no longer share that data with that institution. Um, and and yeah, I, I agree. I'd, I'd love uh, to be five years into the future and have a hundred million plus people that have decided to credential in and you know make their data available via Argyle and also have that data be available you know to each consumer. Um, I, you know, mentioned Credit Karma and Lending Tree. I think one of the really powerful things that both of those platforms have done, and and really kind of have have improved a lot of consumers' lives, is making credit reporting available on on you know, frankly, a streaming basis, right? So it's easier to find errors. It's not necessarily easier to resolve those errors. To Chris's point, it's never been a fun experience for me, um, but at least it's it's no longer as opaque as it was, say, ten years ago. I think. You know, platforms like Argyle are kind of the next step in that direction. And and again, ideally being able to give every consumer a complete picture of what a lender might see when making a credit decision is ultimately kind of the future that I'd, I'd love for for us to get to. Um, so, yeah, I would say large, largely agree with you, Chris.
0: Chris, Matt, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet
1: podcast today. Zach, thanks so much for having
2: me. Yeah, and Zach, this has been fun. Thanks so much.
0: On their way to digitization and growing their digital service area, lenders inevitably have to deal with a growing amount of fraud. It's just the nature of the beast. Wherever a lender targets on the credit spectrum, they will have to contend with acquiring and onboarding profitable customers. With new technologies like Argyle, they're able to both open the aperture wider to create good experiences for the customers while simultaneously keeping out the bad actors. This is part three of a four-part series Tearsheet is collaborating on with Argyle. To read the transcript for this episode and to get access to the other episodes in the series, please go to our website.